All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So for today's topic, I want to talk about the king of R&B. And uh, the reason why I haven't listed a name as the king of R&B is because I think it's up for debate. I want to talk to you all about some stuff. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, there's the Mute R. Kelly and, uh, you know, Me Too movement and Surviving R. Kelly that hit, you know, pretty hard, I want to say, I think right around this time, maybe last year. And uh, I don't know where it is as far as you know, uh, acceptance, steam, or, you know, fan-wise. I don't know where it is today, but I know it was a huge bomb for the people who have, you know, turned a blind eye to it and the people that, you know, just really would rather just listen to his music. It really disturbed things, you know, similar to, um, you know, Finding Neverland with uh, Michael Jackson. And so for me personally, this is kind of hard because, you know, with, you know, R. Kelly, he essentially raised me in the R&B world. Like I grew up listening to his music. You know, for me, it was, you know, R. Kelly and I could always default to, you know, my go to guy, Brian McKnight. He taught me how to sing, you know, ever since One Last Cry and, you know, Anytime and you know, all his hits, you know, I've I've always had those two guys to go to. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to be perfect to be an R&B singer. I mean, for crying out loud, you go to any gospel singer, any gospel, you know, realm, and you immediately understand that, you know, in the church, um, the church is a spiritual hospital. So you're going to find criminals, gang lords, uh, prostitutes, rapists, drug dealers, drug users, drug abusers, addicts, uh, uh, gamblers, um, you know, people that take advantage of people, bullies. You're going to find all these people <laughs> singing this amazing music with these amazing voices that just want to change and make a better life. They want to repent. They want to be forgiven. So, yes, nobody's perfect. You know, if we're going to come to, you know, the church and gospel music and ask for forgiveness to be better and and project a better tone, a better sound, a better better spirituality, internal and external, then, yeah, we're going to have some issues in the, you know, real world with, you know, R&B rhythm and blues music. There's going to be some blues. So. My question I'm going to pose to you and and. I guess it's more more of a statement than a question. Um, I don't think we need him. I think that we have so many quality singers and so many quality artists just in the male category that we don't need him. And the thing that got me stirring on this, that, that got it brewing up was, you know, there was like a baby face and Teddy Riley battle. And I know there were some, you know, technical difficulties, but if you don't know the value of Teddy Riley to the new Jack Swing and R&B in general, like, whoa, time for a history lesson. 
But the Chris Brown and Usher, Usher and Chris Brown battle for who is the king of R&B now is that's fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of fun. Like, I like that argument. And uh, I'm going to, you know, close up with them a little bit later and explain, you know, who I think is, you know, the king of R&B between those two, because I believe that when it comes to those two now, they can comfortably, you know, pass it between each other and say, I'm the king of R&B or I'm the king of R&B. They're so similar. They've they've got, you know, so many great hits. And um, I think it's really based on age. You know, if you're in between, you know, 35 and 40 now, you're probably going to say Usher. And if you're, you know, in between, I'd say, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years younger, I'll say, you know, 25 and and 30 then you'll probably say chris brown um uh you know especially because of when their biggest albums came out so (laughs) the funny thing is i went and looked and and you can take the time and do this if you want i went and looked and and just from a, a grammy perspective who won the years that R. Kelly had his biggest albums that we we arguably say if he's the the king of R and B, I went and looked, and boy, <laughs> boy did he have a lot of competition. I mean, we're talking about Erica Badu, Alicia Keys, Jill Scott, um, uh, Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey. Like these were all people he had to battle with you know, for albums. So, you know, if you want to fact check me, that's perfect. That's fine. I don't mind it. You know, I'm I'm going to be wrong about something. <laughs> but my whole point in this is to say you really don't need him. And as I start to pull up numbers and start to mention these people, if you feel a certain kind of way about this music or, or you know, these albums, I think you'll start to see that if you deleted all of his music today and you completely forgot it, you would be completely okay with who I'm about to mention and all these people. Um, because the women, aside from just regular, the, the real life rhythm and blues, the women haven't had any of these type of nasty pedophile allegation, allegations. You know, their stuff is with a, a, um, a marriage, a cheat, an argument. Between a husband or money or burning down a house or, you know, whatever. So, you know, women aren't going to be doing the same stuff that, you know, say like an R. Kelly or Life Jennings or, you know, any of these guys that have like, you know, the the pedophile type, you know, stuff. They're not going to be doing that because the, the R&B community as a whole will completely destroy these women. So the fact that we allowed it for R. Kelly so long, it, it is kind of scary. It's like we'd rather listen to his music. Then look at, um, you know, what he's doing to these people out here. And and here's where I give R. Kelly the benefit of the doubt. Um, <laughs> you cannot give your child up willingly to a man that makes songs like bumping and grinding. 
You remind me of my Jeep 12 play. Like, look at his album titles and his hit songs. Like, this is who you're going to give your child up to. I don't care if they can buy cigarettes in six months or a year. No, this is not what you do. If they're still on your car insurance, you should not be giving them up to R. Kelly. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? If if they haven't joined the army yet or the military, but no, you should not be giving giving them up to R. Kelly. And um, so that I can I can say in his defense, no, like you should not be giving your child up to R. Kelly. And and I'll let you determine, you know, what based on a quinceanera or buying cigarettes or chest hair or you know first period. I don't know what you designate your child as an adult with, male or female. I don't know. But I do know that it's now coming out that R. Kelly came from an abuse, a sex came from sexual abuse in his uh life. And he had that going on in his family. So hurt people hurt people. I don't think people realize that. You don't have to ask. You know, was it me? And so when people say it's not you, it's me, they're 100 percent correct. The way we have experienced life, learn life and choose to live out our life causes a reaction. And if that reaction is damaging and hurting people, then, yes, it is you. So when people say it's not you, it's me. It is them. The, the, the compound of what people make when they mix together. You start to find out either immediately or later that, man, we just don't mix. It can change, but some people don't know what to do. They just they're either impatient or they just can't put their finger on what to do, because if you're impatient, you're like, ah, we could change this, but I just really don't want to dedicate to it. So. Woo, that's a lot. But yeah, I was <laughs> I was actually mowing the lawn one day and I was listening to, you know, just some hits I had on a uh, playlist. And with R. Kelly, the song came up, you know, uh, Vibe. And this is on his first album, Born Into the 90s, with public announcement. And um, I was like, wait, what did he say? Like, did he say that Aaliyah's got it? Now, I'm like, wait, this is 1992. So in 1992, Aaliyah would have been 15. I didn't feel right about that. (laughs) Like, I have a daughter now. So I didn't feel right about that. I was like, wait, is he saying that this little girl has got the vibe? Now, this is R. Kelly. He makes bedroom music. He makes dance floor music. He makes music that you can even sing in movies and even a ballad for church. I believe I can fly. I remember seeing Jim Carrey sing it. But come on now. Like, what is that? And this album was so sexually charged and 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 so uh, uh, geniusly put together that you can still go back and play hits from that album and the next three and four and five albums. And you get the same feeling. You get a man that knows maybe he's crossed the line a couple times. But hit after hit after hit, he's just making this amazing, solid music. So I'm not saying that his music is trash. I'm not saying that he's that he's you know not the king of R&B. I'm just saying now we don't need him. <laughs> if you would choose 
to back away from him, you can. I actually had this, you know, in my life, just trying to search for some peace and and get, you know, some some brooding and some grounding. And I actually stepped away from music for quite a while. So there's some music, um, you know, in the early uh, or I should say later 2000s, I just didn't listen to. It was a solid block of time. And I feel great about that because I can still go back and listen to it, you know, digitally. I can listen on Spotify, iTunes, um, or even just catch it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, my point is you don't need them. You have so many great artists to listen to and so many great people that you don't need them. And, and say you need the the softer, sweeter side of R&B where, you know, you get the, the feminine perspective and just how beautiful and dominant it really is. You can go to these women. Like I mentioned, R. Kelly had a lot of competition to to rival up against in Mariah Carey, in Mary J. Blige, in Alicia Keys, um, in Jill Scott, in India Irie, um, in TLC. And that's the thing, like for, for the purpose of this, I would like to share the rivals of R. Kelly during this time. So let's go down a quick little list of the Grammys. Now, these are the Grammy winners during the time that R. Kelly had his album. So, born into the 90s, 1992, the Grammy winner male was Luther Vandross. The Grammy winner female for R&B was Lisa Fisher. The group was Boys to Men. I'm going to do my best to stay away from groups, but it's, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. Um, R. Kelly's second album, 12 Play, in 1993. The female uh, R&B winner was Shaka Khan. The male winner was Al Jarreau. And the group was Boys to Men. <laughs> um, the R. Kelly album in 1995, which had Down Low on it, you know, with Ron Isley, who was, you know, famously for putting Garcelle Buenova uh, in the video as the woman that cheated on R. Kelly um, or cheated on Mr. Big. (laughs) This is Mr. Big. (laughs) I can't help it. I'm sorry if I sing during this because I I loved this era and this music. Um, Yeah, that year, the R. Kelly album in 1995, um, Boys to Men won the R&B album. Anita Baker was a nominee. Tevin Campbell was a nominee. Luther Vandross was a nominee. And, uh, you know, you go to the following year, R, and, um, you know, for that album, TLC was the winner of, of the R&B uh, album. You know, Mary J. Blige was a nominee. D'Angelo was a nominee. Prince was a nominee. On the following year, uh, following album, I'm sorry, TP2 in 2000, um, TLC fan mail uh, won that. That's the No Scrubs album. Mary J. Blige was a nominee. Whitney was a nominee. R. Kelly was a nominee. And then Brian McKnight, my boy, was an, a nominee. So then you get Chocolate Factory. Chocolate Factory, 2003. India Irie is the winner. Joe was a nominee. Music was a nominee. Music Soul Child was a nominee. And then Raphael Sadiq was a nominee. And then the the... Mm, I'll say, you know, the Happy People album um, that year, 2005, Luther Vandross 
one for Dance With My Father as R&B album. Erica Badu was a nominee. Blue Cantrell was a nominee and so on. Um, and then the last album I'll say was the, the you know, so it, it's about a good 13 years, a solid decade of music from R. Kelly was TP3 in 2005, um, also released. And Alicia Keys with her second album one, R&B album with Anita Baker as a nominee, Al Green as a nominee, Prince as a nominee, and then Jill Scott as a nominee. And then, you know, after that, John Legend in 2006 wins for Let's Get Lifted with Fantasia, Earth, Wind & Fire, Alicia Keys, and Stevie Wonder as nominees. So this, like, really messed me up because if you're hearing what I'm saying during these Grammy winners, which is, to me, the, the gold medal of awards, R. Kelly is not the winner. (laughs) He may be a nominee or he may win at times, but he wasn't the winner. So, oh boy. When I went and, and just tried to double check this, I went and looked at R. Kelly's awards and, you know, fact checking it. He won three Grammys out of 25 nominations. So, If what I read earlier was inaccurate, let me make it a little bit more accurate. Out of the the Grammy nominations, he won three for for songs. So who are the rivals, though? Like, who could possibly rival R. Kelly during his run of fun? Bobby Brown? I mean, you've got the Don't Be Cruel album and the Bobby album. Keith Sweat? He's got 18 albums and his album in 1996. You know you want my loving, babe. <laughs> I mean, how can you not love that album? I mean, wore it out. Babyface, 12 albums. That for the cool in you and, and the day. I mean, just two of the more solid albums in the 90s that helped establish, I want to say, the coolness or the suave tone of R&B. Babyface has always been that. You've got D'Angelo. It's only got three albums. But, I mean, won't some of your brown sugar, sugar. <laughs> I mean, he's so cool, so deep, so soulful. And I, 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 I remember hearing that he dated, um, you know, Jill Scott. I'm like, this makes sense. This really makes sense for the vibe that he has because, like, him, Jill Scott, Erica Badu, and even Solange, they just have this, you know, soulfulness, that neo-soul, they call it, to them. You got Joe, 10 albums, All That I Am, My Name Is Joe, Oh My God, Don't Wanna Be A Player No More. Come on, man. How can you not love Joe? How can you not? And then you, I mean... You've got Maxwell that jumped on the scene. You know, Maxwell, five albums and um, just so much beautiful music. And I remember Jamie Foxx, you know, um, was hosting a show and called him the the king of R&B. And I'm like, wow, like what an amazing title, like to for another R&B artist to give to a man that makes such amazing music. Only got five albums, but if you love R&B, you cannot uh, mention R. Kelly and all these other people without mentioning Maxwell. 
Like, so solid. So dope. Genuine? I mean, from Pony, 100% changes. Like, like, what do you need? So, those are just a few. Those are just a few of the solid people that I could say are great rivals for R. Kelly. Where if you wanted to make a playlist without R. Kelly, you could have them in there without a shadow of a doubt. And then the 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 heavy hitter that I would you know release in there, um, who has a lot of great albums and great songs, is Jamie Foxx. I mean, right around the time I feel that you know R. Kelly was winding down as far as his career, and I think <laughs> I think Dave Chappelle was part of that. You know, with with his P on you skit. Um, right around that time, Jamie Foxx just explodes on the scene with unpredictable. Girl, get comfortable. Tonight we're getting unpredictable. Just so dope. So dope. Um, unpredictable intuition, you know, blame it on the alcohol, uh, best night of my life. And then the Hollywood album in 2015, like just some really solid albums, really great albums, really great collaborations, and Jamie Foxx collaborating with Kanye West is like just just so amazing, you know. So girl get comfortable. <laughs> Tonight we're getting unpredictable. So just I mean, what do you need? Like it's it's all in that song as far as uh hip hop and R&B collaboration. And I mean, you, you had Ja Rule doing it with, you know, J-Lo and you had a bunch of guys doing it with like Nelly and um, you know all, all the other cats, but um, you got a lot of great R and B talent in there. Where you know if they don't have as many hits as R Kelly, they have as many albums as R Kelly. And if they you know get shunned or you know pushed out at certain times, it's like uh, you know that's just the industry. And I don't think people realize. That you need four things to have a hit album. A, you have to have a good tone. Like your tone has to be good. Your your actual voice, your tone has to be good. Uh, Number two, you have to have great producing. So I'm talking about Pharrell. I'm talking about Kanye. I'm talking about Swiss Beats. I'm talking about Timbaland. I'm talking about Dr. Dre. Um... And Jermaine Dupree, like you have to have a great producer, someone that has talent. You have to have a great management team because there's going to be tours. There's going to be appearances on talk shows and Good Morning America, that kind of stuff. Um, Late night talk shows like you got to have good management and you got to be booked up the right way. Like they have to understand not just social media, but trends, who's hot, who's getting the viewership. They've got to understand all that. And then the last thing is it has to be received by the audience. So that's the <laughs> that's the last and final piece is they have to eat the food. So you got to have a great tone. You got to have great production. You got to have great management. And then you have to be received. You have to be accepted. Will they accept the friend request? Will they accept the the lead? So, you know, it's a uh, <laughs> it's not that easy 
And for R. Kelly to do it the amount of times he did it just shows the genius that that he is. But he's not the only one. Not the only one. So the honorable mention I'm going to I'm going to mention is for guys that um, I think should be very well considered. Um, Aaron Hall, Aaron Hall. If R. Kelly did not bite the majority of his style from Aaron Hall, boy, I don't know who did. He actually said this in an interview um, where Aaron Hall, like, he was just like, yeah, man, dude took my style and ran with it, you know. Good job, you know, for him. I mean, he did a great job with it because everybody was kind of doing the same stuff in the New Jack Swing, the early 90s. But as far as Aaron Hall, nobody looked like him, was dressing like him or doing what he was doing, you know, exactly to a T. It's like maybe Joe came along and it's a lot more like Aaron Hall. But then you have like Cisco, Case, Donnell Jordan. Montel Jordan, Jaheim, you know, so, you know, those guys, I mean, heavy hitters in the R&B world where, you know, if your R&B hits, greatest hits and and lists don't have them on it, man, come on. <laughs> like, what are you doing? So, yeah. But I'll tell you what. I want to take a quick little break. I'll be back. We'll work with this and, and work on this list because I want to wrap it up. Because there's some rankings. I grabbed these offline. You don't have to take these 100% serious. But I want to talk about these rankings because they're pretty dope. And I, I think they should be considered and, and pretty cool. And we can talk about the controversy. All right. I'll be right back. I'll see you soon. 